Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, Hello, everyone, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater podcast. I am Jimmy Crisman, your host of the podcast, and I have another great uh, conversation with two of my theater education majors. This is Sarah and Abby. They will be doing their book talk on theater and education by Helen Nicholson. It is a small, simple 90-page read, but it is packed with lots of information and lots of different perspective that these two ladies are going to talk about. If you are not familiar with my book talks that we're doing right now, this is an assignment based out of my junior theater education methods classes at Illinois State University, where the students have read a book about theater education and typically do a presentation. Um, but now they are sharing that information with you here on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy the conversations and uh, potentially add some extra reading to your, your personal libraries. So this is the conversation with Sarah and Abby about theater and education by Helen Nicholson. Good morning. My name is Sarah Esparza. And I'm Abby Steinhaus. And we are both uh, junior theater education majors at Illinois State University. I also have an anthropology minor. And I have a visual arts minor endorsement. And we are addressing you all as current and future theater teachers. Uh, and we're here to talk about theater and education by Helen Nicholson. Uh, Abby and I both read this book and we've just got some thoughts on it that we're gonna, we're just gonna share. Yeah, um, and at the very beginning of this book, the author shares their first experiences with theater, and we wanted to do that um, with all of you. Um, Sarah, would you like to go first, or should I? Uh, yeah, I can go first. Sure. Um, so I have a so when we talk about my our first experiences with theater, I for some reason I can only remember like being in shows all of a sudden like I don't really remember ever it being a conversation like oh mom I want to do this community theater play like I just remember showing up and it, <laughs> and I was there and I never left um so I remember uh it was it's actually kind of funny because it was a book that we read our freshman year um it's all I really need to know I've learned in kindergarten and so I was in like a play adaptation of that and it was I like there's little videos of it and I was just so um, like insecure and I was like looking over at everyone like the entire time and, but I still like loved it so much. And I, like my whole family showed out for it and stuff, even though I had one line, I said, boo, and that was it, <laughs> like the entire play. Um, but I just remember like loving that feeling on stage. I remember loving to go to rehearsals every evening and things like that. Um, that was my first experience being in theater. And I remember my mom also taking us, I can't remember which one was first. Um, I remember her taking us to see If You Give a Mouse a Cookie and Junie B. Jones at, our, um, at Governor State University. And yeah, I just, I remember loving the costumes. I remember seeing all of them in the hallways as you were leaving and you got to say hi to, and like, great job, I loved it. Um, and I just remember that feeling of excitement and curiosity. And I think that's probably 
I, I don't really think about those experiences too often. I think I definitely take advantage of them. Um, but I, that's definitely thinking about it now and talking about it now, that's definitely the same feelings that I get today, um, being in shows or directing shows and seeing shows. So those are my first experiences. Right. That's, that's adorable. I'm imagining little Sarah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, my first experience as a theater, it was in an English classroom, actually, in fourth and fifth grade. My English teacher, um, she would have us do little plays and things. And the first one we did was about Thanksgiving. And I don't remember all the details, but there was a missing cat. And I guess the grandma was sitting on the cat or something like that. I don't remember. Um, but I had a hard time in elementary school. I just had a hard time connecting to some of the material. And that was the first time that I ever really enjoyed a class. And I was excited. Same feelings you were talking about with curiosity. Um, and I think I've been just chasing that feeling ever since um, because I have never related to any kind of material like that before. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just really, really want that back and I want to continue to do that <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that definitely reminds me of like my I remember just being there I don't remember talking to my mom about it but like in the past few years as we've done kind of certain projects about why we want to teach theater what keeps us here and things like that um, my mom talks about how I just had so much energy and I had so much to say all the time I still do I can't stop talking um <laughs> And they just gave me a place to do that. So yeah, just chasing that feeling of like, there's so many possibilities in theater. There's no limit to what theater is, um, whether it's a play about a grandma sitting on a cat or Junie B. Jones, you know, like there's so many stories to be told. And I don't, I don't think there should be a limit on um, what, that, what that means to everybody. Right. And I think that can definitely carry us to our own personal opinions about this text. Mm -hmm. um, something that we sort of talked about was um, there's a lot of different terminology used in this book and it was hard to keep track of it all. Um, they made an attempt to really differentiate theater in education, theater with education, theater and education. And there were all these different and drama versus theater. Um, I don't know, Abby, what did, what did you think about that? Yeah, it, it was a little confusing for me. Um, I think as I was reading, parts made sense. But if you ask me the difference between all of them, I don't think I could do it. Um, yeah. But I can understand that there are differences um, within you know, theater and theater education. And then I guess theater in education but it, it is a little confusing for me. What did you think? Yeah, it felt, to me, it felt a little clicky. Like hearing so much of the debate that um, happened between professionals, uh, theater professionals versus theater educators when they were trying to um, combine the two into schools. It seemed like there was like a debate from the theater professionals saying that like kids can't, comprehend kids only like won't be able to get that level of like inquiry and um like discovery through rehearsal processes and all of that um was a little hard to grasp for me because 
as we were just talking about, there really shouldn't be a limit on what theater means and how kids use theater um, in their different aspects of their lives. You know, theater is playing house with your siblings. Theater is playing Barbies and things like that. So I think, I don't know, it was very limiting to hear um, in this text them try and separate um, all of these terminologies um, into like categories. And I just felt like it's, it's very limiting. Right. Yeah, I, I think it should be theater. And then I guess there are subsections, but it should all fall under the same thing instead of right. trying to disconnect it all. Right. Abby and I have both been in um, this creative drama class this semester. And when I think about the work that we do in there, when we're focused primarily on um, like kindergarten aged uh, students, I think I can easily acknowledge that the work we do in there is different than our advanced directing class that we were both in, you know, but it's still in the same realm of pretend and taking text and looking at what does this mean for this character? I do this, we would do the same work just with using diff more advanced language, you know, with college age kids versus kindergarten and first graders. Okay. So yeah, it's all, it's all the same, basically. Um, just different levels of it. Um, another thing about the text is that it took place primarily in the UK uh, with a few mentions of United States um, theater and Western theater, um, but it was, it primarily took place in the United Kingdom, which was a little hard for, to grasp um, when they talked about like primary schools and things like that, just little bits of terminology that vary from the language we use here in the US. Right. And as we kind of mentioned, uh, I didn't, I never realized how, what a hot topic uh, this was. The way the book portrayed it, it seemed like there were theater professionals and teachers arguing all the time about whether or not kids should have um, theater in their schools. And I just, I, I think we hear a lot about arts in schools and funding arts in schools, but never questioning the legitimacy of it, it just comes down to how much money we have and who gets it in what order, things like that. Um, not so much questioning theater as an art itself, you know, and whether or not high school students and younger can grasp that. Right, yeah, no, I assumed if you enjoy theater or you're a theater maker of any sort that you just were okay with theater education, like, mm -hmm. I, I thought that was a given, um, but learning that there are theater practitioners who don't think theater education is still theater or it's a necessarily beneficial thing to have was surprising to me. Um, I, I, I read their um, opinions on it, but I don't understand how they could have that opinion, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, it totally does. I think about I think it's also different too, because uh, when they start, this book starts, it kind of takes place and we get a lot of bit of history and things like that, ranging all the way back from the 1960s. So clearly times were different. I'm sure kids weren't as expressive and not, I mean, not that kids in 1960s weren't expressive, but like now there's so many different mediums for kids to be expressive. And then they realize, oh, I can do this in theater. Um, it makes me think about 
like when I was 10 years old, I started a YouTube channel and you know, you do like, I was acting in there. And then I realized, oh, I do this here and here um, in school and in my community theater. And when I play with my sisters and things like that. So when I think, I think there's a diff, a bit of a cultural difference there um, and like the age um, between the people, like the time period. Um, and yeah, so that, that's what I think about that. Um, I think there's definitely an, ish, a, an age difference that we can acknowledge, um, but I don't know. I, yeah, I just never realized what a, because I think I think about all the people who've gotten their careers in theater started when they were in high school, you know? So right. why would we limit that opportunity for everybody else? Right, and I, I think theater is one of those things where you need a teacher. I would say, because um, like thinking about visual arts, for instance, you can self-teach, you can self-learn um, some of those concepts and everything on your own and become good at what you do. But with theater, you need other people and you need a teacher, in my opinion. And to say that you don't, or theater in education isn't beneficial, I think that takes away from the whole theater itself. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think also it's um, undermining the work that kids can do. Right. Um, just, and something that I think we can sort of talk about and shift this conversation to a broader picture is the work that high schoolers are doing. Um, they talked about uh, using theater as like they're like the kind of stories that always have to have a moral or they're used they're funded by for like anti-bullying campaigns and things like that and that that's the work being funded um and I think what's the issue with that you know if students are coming up with a concept or doing character work and doing research about the the issue itself I don't think then that there should be an issue with if that's theater or not, you know, it's still using the same skills that people who are doing experimental acting work are doing, you know, it's using the same kind of techniques that are built. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like some people might argue that that isn't theater because it's commercialized and because it, it is more structured, mm -hmm. but who's to say that theater is or isn't structured or shouldn't or shouldn't be. And I, I don't think you can, because I, I think theater is everything all combined. Oh. Right. Um, this brings up a point that, so a couple weeks ago, I was in New York City for the College of Fine Arts trip and I wanted to see Frozen on Broadway. Like, I'm a big Disney girl. I'm a sucker for that corporation. I really am. And so I wanted to go see Frozen. And one of my peers was like, you're not going to see that. Like we're in New York. You're going to go see Frozen. I'm like, yeah, I can't get any bigger than that. It's Broadway. It's Disney. It's all that kind of stuff that I love. And there, and then a couple other people jumped in and was like, you're going to go see Frozen. Like, why don't you go see this show? Why don't you go do this? I'm like, I enjoy big costumes I enjoy big sets I enjoy dramatic lighting and singing and dancing and all of that you know so how is that different for 
from the six hour show that they were gonna go see um, that didn't, that had like a minimal set and it was just focused on the acting, you know? Like why is the limit legitimacy of the show that I wanted to see different from that other kind of show? So why similar to, you know, in a high school form, like why is a play they're putting on about bullying different from experimental, you know, devised pieces that I think they're kind of referring to here. Right, and my question for people who were telling you not to go see Frozen would be, if it were the same musical, but it didn't have its history with Disney, it didn't come from that, somebody else wrote it and it just came out, would they still be saying the same things? Mm -hmm. Or is it because it's popular? I, I don't see how that makes it a bad thing. Right, and when I think about the audience that was there, there were so many young people, so like ranging from three years old to my age to older, you know? So if there is a show that can reach people from all ages, that that's a skill, you know, to be able to perform for toddlers, basically. Like they, they were an audience, that was, a, the audience was an experience of its own. <laughs> um, but that, took, that was something that I took away too. And I was able to learn from the show was being able to perform when there are kids singing along with you. Um, and when, you know, just, I don't know. So there were things to be learned in every different theatrical experience that I don't think we should, we should restrict. Yeah, and who knows, in 10, 20 years, one of those kids might be talking about their first theater experience and, and it might be that, and they might now, or at that point, want to see experimental theater, but if they didn't have that original experience, right. they might not have ever wanted to do that. Right, something that I thought was so cool was that in the, um, the pre-show announcement, uh, they had said, and if this is your first show, welcome. And I just, oh, I just got chills thinking about that. Like that is something that those kids will be able to take and move forward. Like you said, like that might be their first experience. That might be what, hook, what hooks them um, into a career of theater or maybe not even a career in acting or singing or dancing or designing, but maybe even seeing shows, you know? That is such, the audience is such a key part of what we do. And I know this text kind of talked a little bit about not doing work for the audience, you know, which I completely agree with. There are different types of process processes that I've been a part of where you can tell when it's audience focus versus like actor, uh, like the process itself centered. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of all I had to say about that. Well, Sarah, um, can I interrupt um, real quick? Sarah, what did you, you got, you went to see the show, yes? Yes, I went and saw Frozen. Yeah. Well, a year ago, I was a 41-year-old man begging my <laughs> husband on our honeymoon to go see Frozen. So we went and saw Frozen. <laughs> and what I think, what I think, and I agree with you about, with the, I haven't spoken at all during your talk right now, but what I agree about your book is there, there's some, there are some really like hostile opinions <laughs> towards mm -hmm. theater education and the theater in education. Um, but when I sat in the theater and I saw that, it just reminded me that theater is about connection. Mm -hmm. Theater is about telling a story and your audience connecting to the story right. or the characters. And those two and three-year-olds connected to the story. They were mm -hmm. fully engrossed 
an Elsa and Anna story. And I, as a 41-year-old man, was crying at the end because I was invested in Anna and Elsa's story. So, Mm -hmm. yes, it was Disney magic. It was everything I wanted it to be. I wanted the costume change right before intermission. I got it. It was beautiful. The hair stood up on my arm. But I had a connection to the story, right? And I and I think I think the if we're being quite blunt about it, the snobbery of some of this book and that that the, the author talked about. Um, I took my IB students to an IB theater workshop in New York a couple of years ago, and part of the the workshop experience was they got tickets to two shows, and one was Spring Awakening, the Deaf West production, and the other was On the Town. Um, two very different productions, right? One glitzy Broadway jazz hands, the other, you know, let me sit and make you think for a while, right? Um, And then they got back to the workshop the next day, and they were, like, the students in the room were just ripping on the town apart. Like, Ugh, we we sat there and it was fluff. It was pointless. We didn't. Oh, it was awful. And my students just raised their hand. They're like, "Well, isn't theater sometimes supposed to be entertaining? Isn't it supposed to be yes. an escape sometime instead of holding a mirror up to your face every single time you go to watch something?" <laughs> um, and I was very proud of my students in that moment. So I I appreciate you 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 sharing that experience about Frozen. I'm gonna turn my mic back off now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Because I. I had a great time, you know, I would see it over and over again, you know, I, there were so many different technical elements of it and the acting, I, oh my gosh, you know, not that I thought it was going to be bad, but it just, it was that next level Mm -hmm. that was able to reach audiences 60 plus all the way down to two years old. And I just, that's, that's theater, Mm -hmm. you know, if that isn't theater, I don't know what is. Um, Yeah. Yeah, um, and that leads us um, to more of the second half of this book in the conversation about imaginative theater and the process of imagining. Um, It talks about uh, theater being an imaginative process rather than um, being a particular quality or getting an aesthetic product from it sometimes. Um, And that got me thinking about high school versus college now and our experiences now. Um, I feel like, and Sarah, you can butt in if you'd like, um, but I feel like high school was much more of that imaginative process and it was much more exploration and having fun with it rather than now, sure, we still do that, but we're looking more at the product of it, which in my opinion, um, sure, it's important, but I don't think that's what theater is all about and I think it is much more about that process of imagining and I think that's much more important Mm -hmm. yeah when I think back to to my experience oh sorry were you were you done no go ahead oh okay sorry (laughs) um when I think back to um high school and um versus college kind of how what you're talking about um I, I feel like I did a lot of work in the class um my high school, we had quite a few theater classes. And I just, I feel like that was my space to really go into um, what character work is and what, um, um, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting what the word is. When you go through beats and objectives and things like that. Um, That was in the classroom was my place to do that. Um, And then kind of once we got to rehearsals after school for our main production, that's where it felt a little more production 
focus. But I also think that's just because when you have 40 kids who are dancing in a musical, that's you, and you only have four, five, six weeks, you know, to rally this together. That's kind of just how it happens. But that's when you're able to take those classroom skills that you learn into your homework for after rehearsal or before rehearsal and things like that. Um, and then when I think about my experiences in college now, um, there are some shows that I've been a part of that were very rehearsal and process focused. Um, I was in the house of Bernarda Alba and I felt like that process was very much like each day I took something new from whether it was about my character or my sister's characters that were that I was acting with. Um, things like that, like there was always something from the rehearsal that I took. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your high school experience with um, product versus imaginative process. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, for example, my sophomore year, we did Shrek the Musical, um, which was such a fun experience. And I, I remember a little bit of what you're saying about the production um, process, but I feel like that was more I saw that more from just my director, but within the group of students that I was working with, it was much more of that imaginative process. I remember just having fun and trying new things. And we weren't really worried about what it would look like at the end until like tech week. That's when mm -hmm. we started doing that, but it was much more imagining and just trying to be in that world. Um, and that was, that's some of the most fun experiences I've ever had um, yeah. is doing that. And then when we transition to college, I mean, it, we still do have those experiences sometimes, but for example, like in directing classes, we're talking much more about the product and how we want it to look. Um, and I, I wish we talked more about just exploring and seeing what we can do with, with that as a director, instead of worrying about what we want at the end mm -hmm. and just trying to figure it out as we go along and just yeah. make it up. Yeah, so like more specific skills um, to get this inquiry-based um, rehearsal process, you know, for high school students, because they're fully capable of it. I think this book mm -hmm. kind of questions if they are capable or not. And I, they are fully are. We just talked about ourselves as high schoolers and we were able to dive into those discussions and that, that work. Um, it's just about having a director and a teacher who is able, who and willing to do that with you. And I'm glad that we both kind of had a, that experience that we were able to get that experience in our high school setting. Um, so what, what do you, Abby, what do you want your like process to be when you're employed? Um, to be honest, I, when I, when I think about the future, the first word that comes to mind is play. I, as much as I know that I have to be professional and I, there's things that I have to do. I want to have fun and I want my students to have fun. And I want much more of that process of imagination. If we do a show, we work on it for two months and the end product is a mess. The audience doesn't get what we're doing, um, but the students enjoy themselves. They found new things about theater. They found new things about themselves and they enjoyed it. Then I think that's what it's all about mm -hmm. as a high school teacher. Um, I, I don't think at that point, it really is about the audience. I, other than the audience being there for the students. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, I wanna make sure 
that I don't focus so much on the product um, and that I'm allowing my kids to make that exploration. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, as I said, I'm a big sucker for a big fun show, you know, um, but I think those tend to get very um, production focused, like just like the final product, um, especially when you're looking at like the details of like choreography and costumes and hair and makeup and like those things. But when it comes down to it, like I just want the students to want to come back, um, the students to feel supported um, if they make a mistake, if they look silly while trying to make choices and things like that. Like I want them to know that this is the space to do it. Um, there it's, I mean, I guess it's a little different once you go into school for theater and everyone's just as weird as you are, but there's <laughs> very like rare occurrences um, after, you know, when you move on from your theater experience, you know, that, that you get a designated place to do that and to be silly and to be goofy. Um, so if I'm able to give my students a place to do that and we have a really cool, pretty show at the end of it, that is a dream. I, I just love that. Um, and to wrap us up here um, in the text, there was a quote um, suggested um, in, what, in this one of these imagination little sections. Um, it says, imaginative theater is world inventing. And I think that is those, what is it, five words? Um, I think that gives us a place that that alone um, is all encompassing, I think, um, with everything we've been talking about. Um, using your imagination, encouraging your students to use their imagination, that like those skills that they will develop there will help them move forward with creating the world that they wanna live in. Um, whether it's they wanna live in a world like where Susicle takes place or they wanna live in a world where everyone is compassionate and they have empathy and uh, they communicate and they sing throughout the day, you know, um, that like encouraging that um, I think is really what this is all about. Yeah, I, I like that it says is world inventing instead of inventing the world mm -hmm. because it goes exactly with what you're saying. It's their world that they're creating instead of they're creating the entire world because that's kind of hard to do. Um, yeah. But if, if it helps them make their world better, then I think that's important. Mm -hmm. And something that I appreciate that we're both doing that I didn't really realize we were doing till right now is we're talking a lot about the students and what the students want. And this text, I got, when I got to that halfway point, I was like, what, and what do the kids want? You know, I felt like this text was very much about the politics of what theater, bringing theater education to high school means and what that does to the professional world. But when we think back to it, what really matters is what the kids are taking away from their, their experience. Um, and they're able to be world inventing with it. Well, so is it, is it, is it worth a read? I want to say yes for the second half of the book, in my opinion, for um, just the ideas about the process of imagining, because um, I, I found that to be really important. And it just, it made me connect and realize like, this is why I want to teach theater. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's more about this rather than a product. Um, 
but yeah, if you're looking for information about students in theater, this isn't it. Mm-mm. Or like techniques or um, anything like methodolo- methodologies, like this, this isn't the book for you. But if you're looking for something about how theater and education, theater and education kind of came to be, um, there's a lot of context given and um, but definitely the second half is um, a lot more our style, I think, um, just student, like, and we're able to take that information, apply it to what we wish for our students. So I think it's worth a read. It's pretty short. So mm-hmm. it is a short read. And I, and I think, I don't remember which of you I, I talked about it, that I felt like it was two different books in one. Like there was a clear break halfway through where it completely changed topics. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think Helen Nicholson, the author, does a good job at the beginning of framing the book that this is not a book for theater teachers. This is about teaching artists more. Um, and I, I think there's still a lot that can be gathered from it. Um, I think the first half does a really nice job of kind of chronicling the the history of theater education. I think you kind of touched on that, Sarah, earlier in your conversation. But um, it's it's the the English version of that with commentary on what us Americans have done. Um, so (laughs) I, I, I I agree with you. I think, I think it is two different halves. Um, and there's two different things that you're going to get from each of those halves. So, um, I appreciate you you sharing your thoughts today and, uh, and bringing uh, a really nice analysis of the book for us. So we're going to turn the tables now and I'm going to ask you some questions, uh, since I have you here for a couple more minutes. Um, you kind of shared your, your initial experiences with theater and kind of your journey with theater so far. Um, why do you want to be teachers? I want to be a teacher so I can give that experience to my students. Um, with theater, I have it has helped me in all my other classes in some shape or form. Um, and I think a lot back to who I was as a little freshman, sophomore in high school. And oh my gosh, she did not know how to study. She did not know how to, she was not a good test taker. And I, it was very discouraging because I was doing so well in all my arts, my English classes and things like that. Um, So I was able to take those skills that I learned about like confidence and about um, like the techniques I would use to memorize when I would like write all my stuff out, I would write out formulas and things like that. Um, There's so much to take away from theater that I think is very helpful for students all across the board. So just giving that same insight to my students, um, that's exactly why I wanna be a teacher is to to help them use those skills into some other aspect of their lives. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, in high school, I desperately needed a place like Mm -hmm. theater. And without that, I don't know where I would have been or what I'd be doing now. Um, It's kind of scary to think about, but the idea of giving even just one student a place like that, that they need and to express themselves, that's what it's all about, at mm-hmm. least for me. What is, because you've had somewhat limited teaching experiences so far, um, what, what has been one of your very favorite moments from your teaching experiences thus far? Mine might be Um, Over the summer, I was at the Illinois Shakespeare Festival summer camp, and we worked with kids um, in kindergarten, and we worked with a lot of middle school kids, and oh my gosh, I learned so much about who I am as a person by working with that age group, 
Um, definitely not for me, but it, they were so much fun to work with. And so I, one of the biggest takeaways I had was at the end, um, the kids coming up to me at, after like the final performance and with their parents, just telling me how much this meant to them. Um, and the parents telling me like, thank you so much that she enjoyed her time. Uh, he had a blast, he can't wait for next year. Things like, oh, that just made me sad because COVID. Um, but just hearing that all like the work was worth it and hearing that reformation, uh, reaffirmation um, that I did something right, you know, that was, probably the something that's in, in my experience of teaching so far that will carry me forward. Um, I don't know why this moment came to me, but it did. Um, in a teaching class, Teach 216, I, Sarah and I both had to teach in English classes. Um, and I'm sure Sarah could agree with me, but it was definitely hard. Um, because it wasn't what we're prepared to do, but there was one student who was a theater kid and who didn't know I was a theater major until a couple weeks in. Um, I guess she missed the first day or something, and then she got so excited um, and immediately just wanted to talk to me about my experience and um, wanted me to come see the show that they were doing, and it was just even though I had no idea what I was doing with English and I was struggling so much, it was nice to have that connection with the student just because of theater. As you, as we wrap up here, what is, and you, you can take a moment if you need to think about it, well, what is a resource that you have come across um, in your time at ISU um, that you think other theater teachers need to know about? It can be a book, a website, a, a program, an app, what uh, what has kind of changed your life and that you think other teachers need right now? So this isn't specific to theater teachers, but this is the book that I can't stop thinking about. I think about it almost like weekly um, when I'm talking about who I am as a teacher and why I want to teach and things like that is why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? That book offered me so much insight into things I already knew I believed in, but it gave me more specific reasons why I believe into it. I'm big on um, social justice and um, things like that. Um, so that book gave me a lot of insight um, about students and about the role that I will have as a teacher. Um, that book just changed my whole outlook on it. You know, it, 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 a very good book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think the book that I'm thinking of now is the book we read this semester, uh, Real World in Theater. If that's Real the World Theater Education. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because I constantly am just thinking about the future and I, I put myself in situations in my head where I'm worried about what I'm gonna do in a certain situation and what I'm gonna do in class, what I'm gonna do if a student does this or I, I just, I constantly am worrying about things that I can't deal with right now. Um, and that book definitely eased my mind a little bit. Um, and I now know that once I get to teaching and once I get there, I will have that resource to fall back on. And I won't just be scrambling to find something to do and figure out um, that that book has definitely given me more confidence in the future. 
that, I agree with that. That was a great, great book. I can definitely see us like in the first year of teaching, just having that in my desk and be like, okay, like where's, where's the answer for this? Cause that book had everything. And that def, that book definitely eased a lot of anxieties for me um, about things that I would worry about that I can't control right now. Well, can I, can I just kind of piggyback off of that and ask, give me an example, like a real world example for, for teachers, if they're questioning buying this book or not, how, how did it help you with something specific? Oh, um, any sort of issue you can think of this book touched on it. And if it didn't touch on it, it gave you a resource to move forward with wanting to know more. Um, something that I think about is, um, it touched on the like school shootings and things like that, that are out of any teacher or administration's control. Like those things just happen. Um, and there are things that the government should be doing to kind of um, help with that with gun control and all that. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> but that book gave a lot of insight of moving forward um, and things like that. And, you know, that is, it's an, it's a worry that I have uh, that I'm sure every teacher has um, with like the increased rates of those happening. Um, but that book definitely just eased a lot of anxieties because we're talking so much about giving our students a place to be themselves and to feel at home. So we have the luxury then if something as horrific as that happens, you know, it's, we have the heart as theater teachers to pull ourselves together. Um, that, yeah, just any sort of issue as heavy as that and as kind of low risk as an angry parent at a parent teacher conference you know that book touched on yeah the, the worry that i have for some reason all the time is enrollment and i'm scared that kids won't want to take a theater class and i'll be you know i won't know what to do but there was a whole section about enrollment and want getting kids to want to take the class and i said great perfect i will be using that thank you mm -hmm. awesome good 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 thank you well ladies thank you so much for your time thank you for so much for for sharing your thoughts and analysis of theater and education by helen Nich nicholson um I appreciate both of you and I'm very proud of both of you and I can't wait to see what you do going forward your future students are very lucky oh thank you oh I'm gonna cry oh don't do that <laughs> <laughs> thank you well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's Theater and Education by Helen Nicholson. You can find that wherever you find your favorite books. Amazon's a great place to look for that. Uh, but thank you, Abby and Sarah, for bringing your book talk about the book with us. And I uh, appreciate you letting me chime in there towards the end. Um, if you aren't familiar with our website, www.thedtalks.com, please get familiar with it. Visit that site. Uh, there's a link on there if you want to be a part of our virtual PLCs that we host here on the podcast. Uh, click on the virtual PLCs link, scroll down, hit the big red bar in the middle of the page that says sign up now, and you can be a part of that and join the community of teachers that get together on the regular to just chat about all things theater education. Visit the website also to listen directly to the podcast. You can hear all of our past teachers that have been on the shows, hear their stories, and uh, check out the each page that the teachers have with a picture of them so you can get to know them as well as their resource list of the things that they recommend that teachers have in their lives. So check that out, thedtalks.com. 
If you're like me and you like to use your podcast app on your iPhone, you can find us on all of those favorite podcast providers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, and TuneIn. Any of those major places you get your favorite podcast, we are there. Go on, subscribe to us, hit that subscribe button, and the latest episodes will automatically populate in your podcast app. It's that easy. Then you can go on and rate us, leave us some stars. We love as many stars as you can give us. Review us, leave us some words of encouragement and things that you're liking on the show and why people should listen. But more importantly, we want you to share the podcast with those theater educators in your life. So do that. Share, share, share. If you're interested in contacting me, you can email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. I love getting email and I love uh, communicating with you. So send me an email if you'd like to be a guest on the show. I'd love to, to talk with you and get you on. If you are interested in providing me some topics or future guests in this show that you want me to know about, let me know that too. But I also love getting feedback on how to continue to improve the show so it's a much more enjoyable listening experience for you out there. So email me, fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on all your favorite social media, on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Tumblr, fedtalks.tumblr.com. On Facebook, there's the Fed Talks page, Instagram at Fed Talks Podcast, and again, the website one more time, www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, for the use of your original music, Magnetize and Flip the Record. I appreciate you fellas for letting me use the music, and I hope you're continuing to create much more wonderful art on your own. Thank you, teachers, for listening. Thank you for all that you do for our kids. Thank you for for being a place of community for them. Um, and I hope that Fed Talks is doing a little bit of that for you and giving back to you. So I appreciate all you're doing. Continue to do the great things. And uh, just know summer is closer. And uh, hopefully, hopefully things will ease up with this pandemic. And uh, we'll be able to get out and, and enjoy each other face-to-face soon. So thank you, teachers, for listening, and I hope you have an amazing week. Check us out next week for another great episode. Take care.